going on everybody welcome to episode six of wavelengths a big program today we have a full house chris mullen who has not missed a college football game since he was born <laughs> yeston harris one of the afc east's biggest fans and also apologists to an extent garrett cadre back with the cowboy hat background knows this stuff Andrew Tolva hasn't slept since the Super Bowl and also knows most of these guys personally, I'm pretty sure by now, if you haven't read his work. He has their context. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just here for the ride. I, that's what I bring. A lot to go over. Chris Mullen, I want to start with you. It is almost 10 p.m. here on the Tuesday before the draft on the East Coast. What are you hearing in regards to any late trades, any big movers, big downfalls? Right. Well, you're hearing A, no one's sleeping. Um, I have to do my 32-team cheat sheet tonight, and that's going to take at least four hours. So I'm in it for the long haul. Uh, so that'll be fun. Um, but for trades, uh, a couple of things. Um, Atlanta is not a likely team to trade out. Um, there's no team that's willing to move to Ford and take, say, Justin Fields or Trey Lance because um, it's not worth the value that teams produce um, that they find. I think if Lance is there at four, I think that's the pick for Atlanta. I think the signs have told us that uh, if Atlanta decides to go quarterback, they want a guy who can sit for two years and not cause a hassle for uh, Matt Ryan. If he, if he struggles for a game or two, they don't want fans to clamor for, oh, we want to see Justin Fields because he's more pro-ready. Them taking um, Trey Lance allows them to have more of a break period, not as much flack on them for keeping or trading for someone. And I think the trade rumors uh, for Julio are legit. Um, they're in a cap space that is not good. They are still over the cap. Uh, unloading Julio would be would predict more of a QB um, draft pick because you're not, therefore you're not trying to win now. You're just trying to reboot and save money. Um, if you keep, if you trade Julio, then draft a receiver, a tight end, a lateral move. It's not like a good move for anyone. It's going to cost more money in the long run anyways. Um, so if you see a Julio trade, you can bet that's a quarterback. And then furthermore, you can bet that it's Trey Lance because they have some kind of Intel that says he's staying there. Uh, if it's not Trey Lance, if Trey Lance goes to number three, and it's Mac Jones and Justin Fields. I do think they take Kyle Pitts. I think it's uh, we've reported on that today. Um, so I think that's the direction they take. As far as other trades, uh, we reported that uh, the Cardinals are making calls to everyone with seven and back to trade up. They want to take Jalen Waddle. They want more weapons for Kyler Murray. They believe that they are in a window of success. They think they are in a Super Bowl window. Whether that is true or not is up to the, the eyes of the interpreter. Um, whether they can win it under their current head coach is, again, up to the eyes of the interpreter. But internally, uh, the Cardinals do feel that they can win now. And kicking a guy like Jalen Waddle who can just feast in the slot with, with Hopkins already, and if Fitzgerald retires, you already have a good receiving core outside of that. Um, it's definitely a move that they would make to to solidify the Super Bowl run. Uh, outside of that, it's more about trading back. I think the, the Panthers want to trade back desperately. There's no real value in taking a top eight guy. They can take a guy top 15 and, and recoup the value they lost for Sam Darnold and trade to the Jets. Um, I do think that they won't take quarterback, even if one falls to them. It's more just an indictment about how bad they are at the board. Instead of, or are they going to take a quarterback and then also trade Sam Darnold again, uh, which I don't think will be the case. Uh, the Patriots want to move back as well, according to my guys. Um, they want to move back into the late teens because, again, they could find more value later on. In this draft, particularly, there's not a big gap in defensive players. And if that is the route they want to go, um, they can afford to trade back and take a guy that's. Um, as equal value, say a Jeremiah Wusakoromoa or a J.C. Horn or a Caleb Farley, um, 
that kind of player that can trade back for and still get. Now I do think the ceil- the ceiling for Caleb Farley is 16 if the Cardinals stay. Or sorry, not 16. Yeah, 16. Uh, if they stay, I think that we've we've heard that they want to target Caleb Farley. If they stay placed at 16, so if the board remains the way it is and that's where he falls, that's his limit, which is surprising because people were trying to report today that oh he's he's out of top 32 because of the injuries. No, they've been all checked out. He's clear medically. There seems to be no lasting injury issues. Um, for the most part, he is cleared. You just have to worry about re- reoccurring stuff, but his current health is good. Um, and then another trade, the Jets look to move up if they see offensive lineman fall, like a Rayshon Slater or an Elijah Very Tucker fall past 15, 16. Uh, that's a move they would like to make, um, not to trade too much, like a second-round pick or a third-round pick because they have two firsts and two thirds. Um, they can afford to trade some value to get up there and get the offensive line that they desperately want. Uh, as far as trades, I think it's hard to predict this draft because you don't know what teams value what. Um, because we lack combine, we lack all these social interaction between GMs and agents and, and sporting people. We'd have much more clear picture like we did last year uh, if we were given this opportunity to understand what they're thinking. But without the social interactions, it's hard to gauge. So I would say we'd see less trades this year because of the uncertainty with the draft. But I do say if, if a guy falls of a high positional value, like quarterback, receiver, linebacker, Micah Parsons, if he falls, um, you will definitely see a trade for one of those guys. No one's going to let them fall into someone's lap. Andrew, that brings me into our first discussion. Carolina Panthers sitting there at eight. Teddy Two Gloves, Sam Darnold. If they don't take a quarterback, what are they doing on Thursday? Well... You know, I think Sam Darnold, they have a lot of faith in him. I think they're going to be his guy. Um, As a Saints fan, I'm a big fan of Teddy Teddy Bridgewater, the person. Um, Maybe not as much the player, but I think I have as much faith in Sam Darnold as they do. So what they're going to look to do here is bolster the offensive line. I mean, it's it's a sad situation right now. Pat Elfline was one of their bigger offensive um, line additions this off season. And then they have Cameron Irving starting at left tackle for them. And I just can't imagine that an NFL team uh, has faith in a, in a career sixth man to start at blindside blocker. I mean, um, I, I, I've said it once and I'll say it again. Football is a game of passers. The most important positions are the passer, the pass rusher, and the pass protector. And especially in a division where guys like Cam Jordan and Brian Burns are getting after you, uh, or uh, Cam Jordan, Shaq Barrett, guys like that are getting after you every week, you need to protect your quarterback. Your offense isn't going anywhere. So I think um, Rashawn Slater could be the target if they sit there at eight. Um, they're going to look for a guy who can, who can be versatile. I know Matt rule loves versatile players. Uh, Rashawn Slater is the first guy in a while that I can say uh, confidently will start all can start all five positions on the offensive line and be above average at each of them. So he gives them a lot of versatility there. They just locked down um, one of the best right tackles in the league in Taylor Monton. They have a good center in Matt Paradis. They get Rashawn Slater and, and now they just have to address the guards um, and there's depth there in, in the later rounds. So I think they go um, offensive line. If they don't go offensive line, I think a cornerback makes a lot of sense for them. They are big on J.C. Horn. I saw a couple of reports came out this week, and I've heard from my insiders that J.C. Horn is uh, a big name in the building right now. In fact, 
If Penny Sewell is there at eight, it will be a real discussion between Horn or Sewell. So uh, Matt Rule's defense is really important to him. We saw that last year when they used every single pick on a defensive player, and I wouldn't be surprised if they went heavy defense here. Uh, they got a great base. They have Bravion Roy at nose tackle, Derek Brown, their top five pick from last year, and then Hassan Reddick and Burns are screaming off the edge, two real athletes. They have Shaq Thompson, Denzel Perryman, and then they're really, really big on Jermaine Carter at, at, as linebackers. So uh, Jeremy Chin, a standout in that defense. And then they have Dante Jackson, the speedy cover man. Uh, A.J. Boye, who's suspended, and then you, you slide in a guy like a J.C. Horner, Patrick Sertain, you have a legitimate defense to compete in a division with the reigning Super Bowl champs. I think the, the golf, what you said with Sewell, I think we may see a slide for Sewell. Just look at the board in general. Um, the first four picks won't be Sewell. Number five is heavily leaning in Jamar Chase's favor. Um, number six, uh, it's going to be a receiver again. Don't let it fool you that they're moving their guys interior and they trade Eric Flowers it's still going to be a, a, a weapon of some sort to help Tua. Uh, number seven, I guess you can see him there. But again, I think that Detroit, the way they value versatility and, and knee buyers, if you will, I think they would value Rayshon Slater a little bit more than Penny Sewell. I agree. I agree. And then number eight, if they trade out, um, I don't see a team trading up for Penny Sewell. So you can see him possibly fall to 10 or fall to 11. Um, but I do think that a team like Detroit, in if faced with the decision to take an offensive lineman, would prefer a guy like Slater who can play all five positions, who is a meaner uh, player than, say, a Penny Sewell is. I think it fit their culture a little bit more. I will say one thing that I've heard pretty overwhelmingly is that if Sewell makes it past eight, past the Panthers pick, the Chargers are going to make a strong push to get up there and snag Sewell. That's what I've heard. Garrett, I want to ask you now. We're going to go back up the board to number five. Cincinnati Bengals got a big choice. Do they get one of Joe Burrow's favorite targets or do they get someone like Sewell? If you're on the clock for the Bengals, what are you doing? Uh, I mean, this is, this is my favorite question of the whole first round because, you know, people see it as like, oh, you can lose with this. I, I, don't, I really don't think you can. A month ago, I would have said for sure it's Sewell. And today I can sit here and say I would bet money on Jamar Chase because – I think they're going to give in. I think they're going to go with them. And I think there's nothing wrong with that pick. I think it'd be smarter to take Sewell. But if they take Jamar Chase on draft night, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to complain about that one bit. They're in a great position where they get to choose between reuniting the greatest quarterback wide receiver duo we've seen in a, a very long time in college football or a freak athlete on the offensive line that can hold down your blind side for the next decade, you know, for Joe Burrow. And while they can't lose with that pick, I think they'll go Jamar Chase. They should probably go uh, Panay Sewell, but, um, but I think Jamar Chase is going to be that pick, and I think there's nothing wrong with that. I think it'll be a great pick, and as long as Joe Burrow stays healthy with a, a little bit weaker offensive line, I think it'll be really fun to watch those two in Cincinnati, and I think it'll be just what the franchise needs after years of mediocrity and disappointment. I mean, like Garrett said, it's definitely the, one of the funner questions of the draft next to what the, the um, Falcons will do at their position. Um, I, I, I think you, I agree with you. You can't really go wrong, right? You can get a, a premier weapon in Jamar Chase who already has great connection with Joe Burrow and can be your receiver one entering the building, or you can go with a guy like Penny Sewell who's a blindside protector. The issue is they already have one of those. Uh, Jonah Williams is left tackle for them. Amen. 
Riley is right tackle for them. They have their two tackle spots somewhat solidified. I mean, Riley is replaceable, but that'd be more of a spot for Rayshon Slater, who's already a right tackle. You don't want to move a, a left tackle to right tackle. It's harder than you think. It's not like Madden where you can switch the position and he goes down one overall. Like it's it's a big move to go from left to right. Um, and you don't want a premier guy where you draft top five to have to change positions. Um, so I think, and I talked about this earlier, not with not on here, but I talked about it earlier. The valuing of a top five in this class, right? And a top five pick at, a, at offensive line, Penesul, where there's already incredibly good interior offensive linemen you can pick later in the first round if you trade back up or at, the, at the, the pick in the second round where you already sit at, where guys like Landon Dickerson, Creed Humphrey, Wyatt Davis, Trey Smith will all be there. Dylan Raiders, if you want to put him inside, they will all be there. Well, at least some of them will be there. So you will have the option to pick at least one of them. To yeah. take a position of need with a guy like Landon or Wyatt, rather than taking a guy and moving a position where you can already get a guy you need to fill the 100 touches you lost with an, um, an A.J. Green, you can fill that position with a guy your quarterback already knows and then go to the second round and pick a, a, a starting-ready offensive guard that you don't have to change positions with. You're, you're meeting value and need at the same time. So I think it'd be smart. And like Joe Goodberry said, he's very connected with the, the Bengals organization. It's not only the way they should go, it's the way they are leaning to. So I would expect as long as for some reason the no one takes Jamar Chase before the Bengals, he's their guy because the, A, they recognize the talent that is there, and B, they recognize the value that's second round for the offensive lineman still available. You know, no one is talking enough about – how good Jonah Williams is at left tackle. I mean, this guy can hold down the blind side for the next decade. If he stays healthy, it's a big if, but I'm not ready to spend a top five pick on an if. I'm not ready to spend a top five pick after we just are giving Riley Reef seven and a half million dollars to play right tackle. He's going to play right tackle. I also don't understand how no one's talking about the joke that is Xavier Suafilo and Michael Jordan. Those are two backups on any other team in the league. Billy Price is a failure of a first-round draft pick. Your interior of that line is the problem. And you play in a division where there's Calais Campbell coming from the interior. You play in a division with uh, Casey Hayward coming from the interior and Stefan Tuitt. And you, you, you play in a division where pass rush is premier. You need to protect your quarterback. That being said, they should and will take Jamar Chase at five. Now in the biggest, I'm not sure what they're doing, move of the offseason, the 49ers doing whatever they've been doing down there in Silicon Valley. This pick has captivated the NFL world, and I think that this will be what decides Kyle Shanahan's fate down there in the Bay. John Lynch, it seems like he just went, do whatever you want to do, man. I, it's, out of, it's out of my hands. So this... Whatever happens, John Lynch is going to be safe. Unless they go 0-17 now, he'll be fine. This is all Kyle Shanahan. This is going to be his guy, handpicked. So, Yeston Harris, you know about as well as anybody here, trading up for a guy that you want and you feel that strongly about can change the direction of your franchise. What are they doing Thursday night? Thursday night, it seems pretty clear to me um, that it's got to be Mac Jones. I mean, they've... They were so heavily involved with him. They, they clearly invested a lot of time in him, and it was a clear pick from the beginning. But the fact that suddenly things are looking cloudy in the past couple of weeks, that suddenly things feel different now, that, oh, you know, there's conflicting reports, I don't believe it. It's the smoke window. They're just, they're, it's, they're just looking to, uh, you know, cloud people's judgment a little bit, I think. It's, 
the whole the whole reason that you make a, a big move like that to trade up as high as you do is because you have a specific target in mind. Things don't just suddenly start changing. You don't start keep watching tape and then all of a sudden, oh, hang on. Now, all of a sudden, he looks better or better than he did before, you know, when we made traded up to three. You know, suddenly this is this is a conflicting pick. It's it's clear they chose that guy and they're going after him. It's Jones. Well, and why I agree that's a smart thing to do, right? You should have a guy in mind when you trade up. I, for some reason, but the people I've talked to and what we've been hearing, I don't think that's exactly how it happened. And I'll try to like, I'll, I'll try to give a timeline of how I think things happened. Season ends. Um, we realize the Dolphins are the third overall pick. They're obviously trading out. There's no way they stay. So teams with the Broncos, the Panthers, and the 49ers are calling up, right? They want this pick. Um, it was more so the, the 49ers and the Panthers. They were the two people who had the ammo and the assets to move to the third overall pick. Um, now, whether they finished their scouting reports or not, they had to make a, uh, a move in opportune time so another team did not take over their spot. So it was really about what team will fold to the pressure rather than waiting and doing their scouting process. Um, the Jets, for example, had a comfortable position where they already had the pick and had the time to go through their process, go uh, through the interviews, go to the, the pro days and get it all done. Um, they finished their, their, their process right when the Zach Wilson thing ended. Right when his pro day was over, they finished their process because they just want to make sure he was healthy. Um, for the 49ers, it wasn't so simple as that. They had to do their process to look at the guys past Zach Wilson. Those pro days were after Zach Wilson's pro day. Once the league knew that the Jets were going Zach Wilson, once his medicals checked out, it was an open season to whoever could that pick the fastest because San Francisco had known that it was the all-time time high to sell. They knew they get the most value out of the pick because the teams knew, okay, one and two are solidified. We have our choice at three. Whether the Panthers or the 49ers were done with their evaluation, it didn't really matter. What mattered was, was who can pr- produce a trade fast enough to get the pick in the opportune time, whether you finish your scouting reports or not. Because at that point, you said the treasure organization. Can we find a guy who's good enough for the third overall pick? The 49ers believe they could. I, my, my understanding of it, uh, what, the, what the media said, what I've talked to guys about, they were comfortable enough in taking Mac Jones three overall when they made a selection. They had a guy in mind. It didn't mean they were close off the other ideas like Justin Fields or Trey Lance, but they had already had enough scouting because uh, Zach Mac Jones is so much he's pro ready enough, and he had the West Coast traits that that Kyle Shanahan likes um, to run the offense well enough to be deserved of a third overall pick. That was the reason they traded it up because they were comfortable enough with him. They still had time to review Justin Fields and Trey Lance and go to the second pro days. Right, but they they were comfortable enough with the pick. That's not how you're supposed to do it, but because of the way the trade market opened up, they were kind of forced to do that. You know, the I think- said hands off and just went with Sam Darnold. What they've come down to is it's it's more about the GM versus the head coach because the front office truly does want Trey Lance. He is an easier bet. He has more traits. He is he is a more marketable player. Kyle Shanahan doesn't care. He wants a guy that can run his offense the best. And now the, the perfect Kyle Shanahan scheme, the one he's made all of his money off of, all his fame, it could lose him his job. Because if you pick a quarterback purely based off of scheme in Mac Jones, and he is not as good as Justin Fields or a Trey Lance, it doesn't matter if you're going to run your scheme. It matters who's the most talented player in the field. Because a Alex Smith won't win you a Super Bowl. A, a Lamar Jackson or a Patrick Mahomes will. And you cannot project, uh, per se, um, Mac Jones to be a high-level guy like that. So – if the pick is Trey Lance, you know that the owners kind of, or the owners in the GM kind of forced it on Kyle Shanahan. He said, "Look, this guy's tools to make it work." If it's Mac Jones, it's the GM and the owners saying, "Look, this is on you. If you mess it up, you're fired." 
So on Wednesday, or not Thursday, we will know what they feel about their organization and who truly has the power. I think it's a little bit of both, actually. Um, yes, and you bring up a great point. You don't move up unless you have a guy in mind. Yeah, um, not sacrificing two, uh, the, the three total first-round right. picks, too. I mean, that's they gave up a ton of draft capital. That was the draw dropper. We didn't know they were going up for Mac Jones. We don't know if they're going up for Trey Lance. We don't know if they're moving up for Dylan Raddins, and they just love him that much. But, but w- what we do know is they have someone in mind, and they gave up a ton of draft capital for it. So, yes, we can infer that it's a quarterback. Kyle Shanahan's recent press tells us, yes, it's a quarterback. So – you take a look here at, at the trade market. Well, Mac Jones is the guy in their mind. Let's let's say that's that's the Kyle Shanahan pick. He he just wants Mac Jones, John Lynch, trade up, get Mac Jones. They could go up to seven, they could go up to eight, maybe even six. They didn't have to go up to three. The 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 most safe the, the, the safest pick they could have gone up to was three. Zach Wilson at two, Trevor Lawrence at one. Nobody can jump them. And I think, yes, Kyle Shanahan's job rides on this pick. So go secure it. Go get your guy. Make sure you go get high enough to get your, your quarterback. If, if you want Mac Jones, don't hope he makes it to seven. Go up to three and get your guy. So they know what's riding on this. Kyle Shanahan knows what's riding on this. And let's not act like John Lynch is preying on the downfall of, 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 of Shanahan. I mean, that's his guy. That's who's going to bring them to the promised land. So, yes, it, I think it's both. They had a guy in mind, and then um, they, they, are, they went up high enough to go get him. So, yes, and ring the bell. It's Mac Jones at three. Right, but you think this is sort of a, a fielder's choice. They recognize that the number three position would give them the option to pick whoever they wanted outside of the right. already definite first and second pick. Three is safety for your guy. Mac Jones is your guy. I think what's interesting about this, and I want to ask you, Chris, when did this Mac Jones pick – okay, was this Mac Jones pick, the rumors, a smokescreen all along, or were we just buying into this notion that it was a smokescreen – and then it morphed into, oh, they're actually going to take Mac Jones. I don't think the idea of taking Mac Jones would ever a smokescreen for them. Like I said, I believe that they traded up comfortable enough with Mac Jones. And then, like you said, taking the fielder choice of the rest. You can kind of feel it out and like see what you like the most. But they were comfortable enough taking this guy. So I don't think the idea of them taking Mac Jones was ever a smokescreen. Them firmly picking Mac Jones. Um, is yet to be decided. I don't think they're really throwing smoke. I don't think the 49ers are people to throw smoke. I do think they don't like Justin Fields. I just don't think, like, I agree that I think that take is the, not the take, the report is real. And I think we wanted to assume they were, they were throwing smoke because we believe so much that Justin Fields is QB3 or sometimes even QB2, depending on the person. Uh, we wanted to believe so much that the NFL liked Justin Fields as much as we do. When it's become clearly evident that he's QB5 in most minds. Or it's become clearly evident that evaluators in the top ten don't feel like Justin Fields is worthy of a top ten pick. Whether we agree with that or not, we can't we can't just then say, "Oh, it must be smoke," because uh, we I like this guy. I've done my film review. I think he's QB three. Clearly, they don't think the same way. Whether it be off the field concerns like his attitude, or um, he's cocky, some say, or arrogant, uh, that doesn't matter. So, if it is between Trey Lance and Mac Jones, the, there I don't think there's much smoke to that. 
blowing smoke is more like saying oh, a team like this guy in particular, or or they feel like the trade up to this spot. In the 49ers case, they're saying, yeah, we're deciding between Mac Jones and Trey Lance. You're not going to know until we finish it, or you're not going to know until Thursday night. But the fact that they are, I don't think is smoke. Garrett, I now want to ask you, you predicted on this program that Justin Fields could fall, and that is what is happening right now. So how did we get to this point? Um, you know, it, it's weird because I got to watch him a lot in, as an Ohio State fan, and I saw mental – physically, he's just as talented as any quarterback in this class. I saw a lot of mental lapses, a lot of, uh, a lot of issues like that. And actually, in my last mock, I had him going three. That was before the reports came out that it was between Lance and uh, Jones because, you know, I, I thought they, the Niners would see the ceiling. But, but I, can, I can understand him falling. I, I do see it. And that does op- reopen the door for, for the, the Broncos at nine, for, for teams like that that are in the late top ten, early teens, somebody to trade up like the Bears or the – or the Washington football team. I don't, you know, I, I think it's more than likely if he falls in, I he'll go to, to Denver, which would be great. Like we, like we've said before, you know, but I mean, still, I feel like this is going to be something that teams do look back on. They're like, man, we should have taken this guy. I see a lot of great traits with him, you know, and I've said it a hundred times on the podcast. He can't start right away. That's the hundred and first time I'm going to say it. I hope I don't have to say it again, but but in the right scheme, give him some time to develop. And this guy's going to be a star. He fixes some of the mental errors and, you know, he, he really lets that the physical abilities that he has show on the field. And this guy's going to be amazing. And, uh, and somebody will see that he will not fall into the teams. Book it. Now somebody will trade up. I think it'll be at nine. I think Denver takes him at nine. And if somebody's going to take him before that, it'll probably be a trade up because, I also think the rest of the top 10 is kind of set unless somebody trades in. And I don't think anybody currently in the top 10 behind pick three would take him. I don't see Atlanta taking him. I don't see, uh, you know, Carolina or Detroit taking him. So it's either Denver or somebody trades into that top 10 area and sees the talent he has. And I think that that's just what we're stuck with for him now. And I mean, it sucks for him, but, you know, I, I'm sure he'll find the right fit. The only team I see taking him in the top 10 uh, is Detroit. Outside of that, I really don't see it. I mean, um, the Broncos, I know, Andrew, you talked to them. They like Trey Lance, and that's really it. Like, that's that's like – they don't like Mac. They're not the biggest fan of Justin. Like, they're, if, if Trey Lance it's, – it's, we always hear back, oh, yeah, if Trey Lance falls to me, I'll take him. I don't think many people are expecting Trey Lance to fall to them. I think he's gone at three or two. Um, you know, I, I've talked a lot with, with my Broncos guys, um, and it is consensus. It's not um, the building is split. They have a new GM. He is going to protect his job um, and make a safe pick, a Micah Parsons. They're going to trade back. If the right quarterback falls to him. Um, A.K.A. Then, Trey Lance. A.K.A. Trey right. Lance. Then, yeah, they'll take him at nine. But – um, what I've heard is Elway is getting jumpy. He, he is antsy right now. He, he doesn't feel safe. And he thinks Peyton Manning carried them so much farther than that team should have gone. And it is, it is go time. They, 
might get jumpy enough to take a guy like Fields at nine. Does he make it there? I don't know. There have been reports that say that the Panthers uh, will take a quarterback if it's the right guy. And judging by what they said earlier, it sounds like Fields was the guy before Darnold. Matt Rule is exactly the kind of person to sink his draft capital into a, a QB competition. Um, but honestly, I, I see Detroit at seven. And uh, here's why. Dan Campbell comes from the tree of the Mickey Loomis and the Sean Payton. And if there's any tree in the NFL that I know, it is that one. The black and gold would love to have a player like Justin Fields, an accurate athlete. Yes. And that is exactly what Fields is. And that's exactly what Dan Campbell could want to run his offense. Imagine that he gets to sit behind Jared Goff, learn how to be professional. Campbell gets his hands on him. Uh, you build an offense around him for the next two to three years. You suck. You have high draft picks. You have big draft capital. And then you you start Justin Fields, and you can compete right away. So I see seven being a pretty good spot for Fields. Um, but seven, eight, nine, he could go on any of those picks, and I wouldn't um, I wouldn't be too surprised. But a slide is looking pretty likely for JF. Justin yeah, I mean, to be Justin- – to like- just go you go. I mean, to be frank, I just think that the only logical landing spot, there is no trade a seven in the front 10. After that, I think he's a free fall. I agree. I think if you would have said before the national championship game that Mac Jones was going to go ahead of Justin Fields, everyone would have been like, that's really funny. Ian Buck's going to go in the yeah. third round too. I, you know, no one would have thought that would have happened. Because but it's not going to happen. You never know. I mean, anyways, anyways, pro ebook podcast, but not this one. Maybe, maybe on Saturday when he gets taken. Anyways, Justin Fields sliding down. I think Garrett hit the nail right on the head. Some team's going to co- go back and be like, we could have taken him. 49ers are going to be like, oh, we traded everything for Mac and it got Kyle fired. So I don't know how many teams are going to regret it. But I could also see this being a Josh Rosen type incident when on draft night, he goes, the nine teams that didn't take me, they're going to regret it. We see where he is now. I do think Justin Fields is a way better prospect than Josh Rosen. But I think this Justin Fields revenge tour narrative for the probably two, three years down the line when he actually gets to play will be really interesting and just see how many teams did make a mistake in this year's draft. I mean, I just pray he doesn't end up like the the Ohio State quarterback that went before him. Haskins. The guy, yeah, the guy that was supposed to be number two off the board, number three, number three quarterback off the board. The and he Giants. slips into the teens. Yeah. He slips into the teens and oh, everybody's gonna regret picking me. Everybody's gonna re- or regret not picking me. And you know, they regretted picking issues. him already. Oh yeah. But <laughs> I regret picking I'd, John, you know, John anyways. I mean, I think Fields is better, but, you know, I just pray for the Ohio State Buckeyes as a fan that we don't have to go through this again and watch another quarterback flame out or turn into a receiver when he leaves college. Like, I just can't take it anymore. We need one. We've spent a lot of time talking about the offensive side of the ball, but Andrew Tolva, defense wins championships. Not too many guys getting a lot of love. Who should we be talking about more? Um, you know, I think first and foremost, the guy that that still isn't getting enough love is my boy J.C. Horn from South Carolina. Big fan of his father. He did great things in the black and gold. But this J.C. Horn kid is special, and I think he's better than Patrick Sertain. You look at Sertain, 
this is nothing against him. Chris, I saw you wince. I know you have problems with this take, but Sertain is a big height weight um, technique corner, big on technique. I mean, he's a lockdown CB1. No one is disputing that. If you dispute that, you're wrong. It's That is a subjective claim that that he's bad. Like, it, it, he, is, he is factually good. Sertain will be a great CB1 in the NFL, but he does not have the traits of J.C. Horn. Real quick, let's talk. He's faster. He ran a faster 40. He had a higher vertical. He had a longer broad jump. He had more reps on the bench. He's one inch shorter and three pounds lighter. His resume is even better. They both come from the SEC. J.C. Horn has been left on way more of an island. He doesn't have half the talent that Sertain has had on that defense. No one besides Javin Kinlaw last year was getting after the quarterback. So now he's on his own. Israel Mukwamu is a piece of garbage. I don't want to even hear that he's like in the top 10, top 15 CB conversation. So J.C. Horn is covering these guys, locking down guys like Elijah Moore from Ole Miss. He's been getting a ton of buzz lately. Terrace Marshall, he faced Jamar Chase. He faced um, Justin Jefferson. I mean, he's had a great resume, but what sets him apart from Sertain is Ruggs III and Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell and Jerry Judy. That, that is the gauntlet. That is the gauntlet right there. And he got worked by Devontae Smith last year, and he made up for it this year. I mean, you watch his traits. He has the technique. He's a relatively safe pick. But his aggressive physical play style is his upside. That is, that is what makes him the real CB1 in this draft. Now, Farley doesn't have back injuries. Caleb Farley is the, is the CB1. I don't want to hear any other claims. But J.C. Horn, great length. Um, he's fast. He ran a four, three, nine unofficial. He's run the gauntlet. He's got good technique. He's aggressive. He's physical. He plays the ball. He's everything you want in a CB one in today's NFL. So that's the first guy that I think is just getting a, a criminal amount of love. The next is a guy, Chris, I think you can actually get behind this one. Um, I want to be, I'm a Gamecocks please, fan. That's please, what I'm going to call yes. it. That's, I want to make sure that it's understood. I'm, I'm a Gamecocks fan, and I'm still not on the CB2 train for J.C. Horn. It's fine. You will be. Once he, <laughs> once he has a great season, you will be. You'll be there. So the next guy I, I, I've really honed in on this week. Chris, you can get behind this one. Uh, he opted out in 2020. He played on a line with Levi on Wuzurike. His name is Joe Tryon, edge rusher from the University of Washington. This is a Husky that you definitely want to take in the first round. He's versatile. He'll play in your 3-4. He'll play in your 4-3. Hand down two-point stance. He can cover, uh, and, and boy, can he rush the passer. He is, he is a finesse player. He's got great speed, but his, his, his game is based off of power. Um, he's not a real jumpy guy off the line. Uh, he has good enough get off for the NFL, but his hands are really what impresses me on, on tape. I mean, he just jolts guys back, um, knocks them off, and then he knows how to use leverage. He's one of the best leverage rushers that I've seen uh, probably since Nick Bosa, um, and he's up there with Bosa in, in terms of leverage rushers. Uh, he, he is what you want. Yeah, he's got 10-plus sack potential. He, he's a big-time player, um, and he was as underutilized as I have seen of any player, regardless of position in the last three drafts. I mean, UW did him dirty and he's still a first round pick. I think this kid's got loads of potential and if in the right scheme, I mean, he will produce early and often. Uh, Chris, what do you think about my boy, Joe? 
Yeah, so I took a quick film watch today just to check out some claims that were made about him, just to, to see what they were about. Um, and this is this is good background information. The University of Washington runs um, a four three base, um, but when they run three four packages, they tend to sub in Joe Tryon, an outside linebacker. Uh, Joe Tryon is not an outside linebacker. The tape I've watched, he's six foot five, two sixty two. That is not an outside linebacker size, uh, for good reason. That's massive. That's like close to what. Um, Zayvon Collins runs, and Zayvon Collins is still heavy for his position. He'll have to lose some weight during training camp. Joe Tryon was able to stick well enough in coverage, but he's not a successful 3-4 outside linebacker. Uh, when they when they had him in 4-3, he looked amazing. He had great run stuff. He got in the backfield. Um, he his, set, his stats were good, but when you watch the tape, he's just a disruptor. He is a disruption force. Um, he he will get in the quarterback's face. He will he will be a tackle on the outside. It's not always about sacks. When you look at edge rushers, that, that's very important. Uh, when you look at edge rushers, look at um, their sack numbers, their pressure numbers, their pressure rates. Uh, he had great numbers. Like those those outside the box stats were really good for him, which is a good indicator of what he'll be in the pros. Uh, like you say, he's great with his hands. He has good pass rush moves. He's a well built guy, and I think he's toolsy enough. You can add traits to him to make he's him a better a edge frame. rusher. Yes, he great has an absolutely great frame. Great physical measurables. Right. He and he already has good pass rush moves, good run stuff, run run uh, run moves. You just need to refine some of those things and then build upon them. But it's not like you're building up a whole new player and it's like a Jason Owe where you have to build up all those things again. He already has the base of what you want to draft in the first round, but in this case, you have the ability to add on to more because of his terrible coaching. Uh, at UW, they had Keith Taylor, Elijah Molden, Levi Anzalrique, and Joe Tryon all on the same team, and they couldn't win games. Like, I don't know how you do that, but besides the point, a team that is confident in their ability to coach the defensive line, with New York Jets and Robert Sala, would take a slot, would take a, a, a fire on this guy in the first round because they believe they can unlock his true potential. You know, it is, I, I wonder if you, you um, or Yeston or Garrett agree with this. Um, I, was a little surprised that he wasn't getting more attention. I mean, I watched his tape and I was like, I mean, this guy's great. Like, like he has what he's a first round pass rush. Plus let's not ask, act like the defensive linemen that come out of Washington are chumps. Okay. Like these They're are good. guys that go in the first round and they play well in the NFL. So I watched his tape. I'm like, this kid's great. Let me go check out his measurables. I mean, he, he is, he is what you want. He put on some, some muscle in the off season. I mean, he's a, but he's a, a packaged and sealed edge rusher. And then I went to his draft profiles and all of the problems quote unquote that they have with him are excuses. So I'm genuinely confused. Why is this dude not in the conversation? Like, why is he not being compared to Quiddy pay and, and getting chumped out of being a top 50 player? Um, what do you, what do you guys think? I mean, just just for me, I think because he opted out, um, it 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 warrants for just like oh we forgot about him almost. But like that's the media. I don't I don't doubt that the NFL didn't forget about him. I don't I don't doubt that he's always been a first round guy. Um, for me, I think the comp you had was Brian Burns. I think that's spot on. It's a guy that is, has great tools, had great numbers, was undercoached, underdeveloped as as Florida State guys usually are. Um, Janarius Robinson, this guy's edge rusher, who's been completely underdeveloped and criminalized as, as oh my an edge gosh. rusher at, at Don't FSU. Get me he could have easily <laughs> been a second first round talent if he had just been coached properly, which is something to say. Um, 
So I think that's definitely a guy that that I would emulate with is the pick is Brian Burns is definitely the best case scenario. And if you can draft a Brian Burns in the back 20, that is an absolute steal of a player. And it's something that a team who's confident that if it, the defensive line coaching, like the Jets, the Bills, the the Steelers, um, the, the Saints, a team like that who is confident in their ability to build defensive lines will be – very confident taking a player like this. It's not the same as Gregory Russo because Gregory Russo doesn't have the tape. He's not, he's, he's underdeveloped and he has bad uh, rush moves. He's a good pass rusher. He gets good lucky sacks. This is different. He's a developed player who was undercoached and still had good numbers and put the wrong system. So it's definitely a player where a coach who's confident in their ability to do, to groom an offensive line, uh, defensive lineman uh, will take in the first round for sure. Lots of buzz around him. I think uh, from, from what I've heard, I I'm sure you've heard the same, Chris, I, I think th- that NFL teams are actually, they're giving him uh, his, his due praise. Um, the last guy I just want to slide in um, is Carlos Basham. I mean, Ooh, he, he looks like a, a raw cam Jordan at, uh, coming out of college uh, laid a ton in the ACC he produced, he's got great size. He's got great versatility. Um, and I wrote in my scouting report for him, it looks like he's playing football ballet. Like he, he's light on his feet. He's got smooth feet. Um, he's a smooth mover. He's not sloppy. He's got some pretty good pass rush moves. Um, honestly, uh, a team like the Titans, I've heard uh, the Titans could, could pull the trigger on Basham if the board doesn't fall how they want. So if I see Basham go Thursday night, I'm not, I'm not going to be surprised. And I'm going to be happy for him. That, that, that kid deserves to be a first round pick. So lot, lots of uh, underrated edge rushers. I think when I did all of my, um, my, my study uh, on these edge rushers, Jalen Phillips, clear edge one, Quiddy pay Aziz Ojolari, Joe Tryon, Carlos Basham. Don't get me started on Jason Owe. He's a borderline undraftable player. Uh, well, maybe not that bad, but I, I hate him. And then Gregory Rousseau, who I have as a fringe guy, uh, he's got the tools, but not enough tape. So, uh, yes, those are my underrated, need some more love, uh, and they'll get that Thursday or Friday night. I think you have to put it in the age game, too, because Carlos Basham is um, 23, um, turning 24 soon which you would think he's not the biggest of deal. But in the first round, you want to draft a relatively younger guy. So maybe the only reason that Carlos Basham, per se, would drop a little quitty pay or a Troy Tryon or Aziz Ojolari because they just happen to be old, younger he's guys. Gonna be, he's going to be very good regardless. Right, I agree. Age. Yeah, yeah. But as far as the first-round pick goes, these edge rushers are kind of hard to predict. I think not even Aziz Ojolari is a sure thing. God, in every mock draft I've, I've seen, it's like, oh, well, he's falling. This happened to Chris. This happened to me. He is sliding. And – if he makes it past 30, he's not going in the first round. I believe that. So I ain't what to do with him. He's I a first round lost. player. He's a first round player, but I just don't I think Ojalari has one of the, the is one of those players that it could be like, he is so good. Why is he slipping? Well, he's an undersized rusher who can't even fit in a three four right now. So uh, lots of question marks around the edge rushers. And as important of a position as that is, those are questions that we're going to get answered Thursday and Friday. Am I the only one that feels like in this draft, especially there's a lot of first round talent that's going to seep into the, the, the second round Absolutely. a lot more than usual. I mean, in, in every single draft, there's players like that in this draft. I genuinely feel like there's 50 to 60 players that I can make it, uh, 
a concrete argument for a first round pick and only 32 of them get to go in the first round. Like there's going to be so many great players in the second round. You're tra- when you, teams that have these second round picks, they're going to be just as important as your first round picks. Cause there's first round talent for just about every team in the second round in, in this draft. I think it's a lot less, like I think I think I agree. I think it's there's like maybe like six or seven guys who are worth of like top ten picks, and then the rest of them are like late first, mid first round grades. But there's so many late first, mid first round grades that I agree there's 50, at least fifty guys you could put there because they have ability to be graded there. But there's definitely not a lot of guys who would deserve the grade of a top ten player. But I because mean, it's so deep in the mid to late first, you get a lot of first round guys that just seem to slip because there's so many of them. You know, you look. At, at this board and it's like oh my gosh like there are 32 picks in the first round and there are like 50 players that i i'm like yeah i wouldn't be surprised if they went in the first elijah moore travis Etienne, javante williams landon dickerson Kadarius tony sam cosme terrace marshall liam eichenberg creed humphrey on ronald moore uh, or uh rondale moore has a lot of buzz uh wyatt davis i still think he's a first rounder like greg Rousseau, that's been argued i'd put dylan raddins in the in the late first um heck even osai i mean there are a lot of guys who can go late first we we heard uh from mel kuyper earlier this week that diami brown could could slide into the late first so whether you agree with it or not chris uh that pissed me off that these are guys that um they're going to fall and, and, and teams are, are going to get lucky. And, uh, you know, when, when you really dive into it, I guess I didn't realize this before I got sources and before I really got into it, teams don't have like 32 players with a first round grade. Um, I know the saints have 19 players with a first round grade. I think the Colts have 18 players with a first round grade. Like you're not always going to get someone with a first round grade. Um, but, but teams also have like, 30 to 40 players with a second round grade this year. So Garrett, I think you're spot on. There are a ton of fringe guys who are going to go early to mid second and teams are going to get a second first round pick essentially, um, which confuses me a little bit on why the Ravens would give away their second in the Brown trade. But I did call that on my mock draft 2.0. I know you all saw that. I called the Orlando Brown trade. Everybody praised me. I got it. I know I'm telling the future. Uh, Saints are going to win the Super Bowl in 2022. Yeah. Okay. I think teams <laughs> like the Jets and the Dolphins have really struck gold in this draft because they have a chance to draft three first round players, right? Jets at 223-34, Dolphins at 618. They have an early th- uh, second rounder as well. I think they have two second rounders. They have really have four first round players. I think the teams that that stockpiled earlier picks but not taking too much um like pain because of it. But they didn't trade a lot away for it. Jets just traded Jamal Adams away for it. Um, they have incurred the ability to draft three first-round guys all at premium positions, which is a luxury that not many teams get to have. So I think teams who did that and teams who will, will definitely trade back will incur a good cost. I'm, I'm big on value charts. So, like, if the value is to meet the pick, I don't think it's a good pick no matter who you draft. Um, so just, like – if you trade back and get a guy who's worthy of a first round pick and they get two more guys worthy of a first round pick and a second round pick, I think that's a good value pick. If you trade up for a receiver, I don't think it's a good value pick. I just don't think that's a, like a position where you have to compare to the rest of the draft. There's only one receiver I would trade up for and it's Jamar chase. After that, I would never trade up for a receiver and not in this class at least. 
Maybe Waddle, but again, Waddle's a slot guy, and then you can draft um, an Amari Rodgers in the third round and get similar value out of it. Not you know, to the same player, but like you can get something similar and still draft another premium position as well. That's a great point. I actually made a list the other day. I was like, dang, like there are a lot of speedsters that can stretch the field, big run-after-catch monsters. They're twitchy. They can play from the slot outside. So I was like, okay, I'm going to make a list. Listen to this. These are all guys that I have a draftable grade on. Jalen Waddle, Kadarius Tony, Rondale Moore, Elijah Moore, Amari Rogers, Diami Brown, Dwayne Eskridge, Tutu Atwell, Anthony Schwartz, Shai Smith, Demetric Felton, Jalen Darden, and Marquez Stevenson. That's a lot of depth. I mean, that's as many as like a good wide receiver class has in it. And those are just the speedy, twitchy run after catch slot guys. So you don't trade up for a guy like a Jalen Waddle because you can get a Jalen Waddle. 0.5 or or the walmart jalen waddle in the second round um that that's a great point I, I don't think i would trade up for a guy other than jamar chase and if you are still trying to argue that Devonte smith is wide receiver one stop listening to this podcast and go watch some freaking tape god <laughs> to, be, to be fair i wouldn't draft Devonta smith to like pick 20 but that's just me <laughs> i can't respect a receiver who's 166 pounds looking wet so <laughs> go, go, go eat some go eat some like pancakes or something i don't know <laughs> so yes and i want to ask you now we don't have an ezekiel elliott saquon barkley type running back in this draft class but still in a lot of mocks we don't have a running back taken till late teens 20s even falling out of the first round so are teams getting smarter with what they spend their first round picks on or are these top two running backs really not worth the top first round pick uh, I think that it might just be about positional value. Um, it's it, it's not so much that these running backs aren't uh, aren't quality first round worthy running backs. It's uh, it's more that the teams that have those high picks have more significant needs. You know, I mean, if you got a top ten pick, you probably have bigger needs than just a running back to make your offense go. Um, and if you're picking late, then they're frankly, especially as you guys said before, in a draft like this, when there's so much fringe talent, you're going to get, there's going to be a quality guy in a position of need available. And rarely in today's NFL is your running back that, that, that scheme. Um, so is the running back that important to your offensive scheme? Um, you said before, it's uh, all about, uh, yeah, I think Tova, you said uh, yeah. earlier on in this pod that it's all about um, pass catchers, pass rushes, and pass blockers. And uh, it's it, it, that's that's just as relevant in this. Uh, the only reason a running back should go as high as they can is because they can effectively pick up blockers and because they can um, assist in the pass game both as a blocker and a downfield threat. And I think the only guy who in this running back class who really fully fits that category, uh, who fits that category and is worth a mid to late first rounder might be Najee Harris. He's incredible. I mean, his rookie season, he's going to like – I mean – I feel like people are like, well, he's not Saquon Barkley and he's not going top 10, but you make a great point. If you are picking in the top 10 and you're worrying about a running back, you have deeper issues than you need a quarterback. You need a wide receiver. You need a left tackle. You have much bigger issues than that. Um, I, I will say Saquon Barkley is like a, we've never seen a Saquon Barkley in college football. We never saw someone dominate like that at least in a very, very long time. So is he a running back worth a top 10 pick? Maybe. In hindsight, maybe not with the injuries. But uh, regardless, you look at a guy like a Najee Harris, um, and you're like, yeah, like this guy's worth a first-round pick. 
I just want to say Travis Etienne home run hitter. That kid is going to either run for four yards or 400 yards in a game. He is a faster, twitchier Dalvin Cook with better hands. Javante Williams is a better pass catcher than Nick Chubb. Najee Harris is – he doesn't have a comp. He is Najee Harris. He's going to tear up this league. I don't care if he gets picked late first, early first, mid-second, late second, early second, late seventh round. I don't care. Najee Harris is going to tear up the league. But it is a lot about positional value. That's a replaceable position. Chris, we were talking about this. We said – Guys like Michael Carter, um, Chuba Hubbard. I have a high grade on Kenneth Gainwell, Trey Sermon, Ramondre Stevenson, Kylan Hill, Javion Hawkins, Khalil Herbert. Your guy, Kenne uh, Nwagwu. Like, oh my God, that's my guy. These guys are going to serve a role in the NFL, and a couple of those can carry the load. They're not as as uh, far down on the depth chart as like a Miles Gaskin. Like these are guys that can take high carries. So spending a first round pick on a running back even if it's Najee Harris you have to be a desperate team like the Steelers like you need a home run hitter in Ben's last year Um, other than that if the Dolphins go Najee at 18 I'm gonna have some questions I would argue that we do have a Saquon Barkley like running back in this class like I, I think that Najee Harris is truly that special I mean he proved it in the national he proved it in the biggest games he could just run over anyone doesn't matter who it is he hurdled someone just like just like Saquon Barkley hurdled a guy over and just kept running. Like, I think we underestimate how good Najee Harris is. But like I yes, and you said, teams are getting smarter. When you when when the Giants picked Saquon Barkley at two, it's a big realization. It's a big wake up call. Like that didn't help them. Like that was no there was no plus or minus wins with them. Like you didn't gain wins because you drafted Saquon Barkley, and teams understood that. And because of that understanding, uh, even though you may have a Saquon Barkley esque running back. In Najee Harris, who deservedly a top ten top ten talent, he's not going to get drafted there because it's not worth drafting there. Running backs don't add a plus minus win percentage as other positions do. That's just a fact. You want to look at the what they can offer you for wins. They may be a stellar talent, but if they can offer you wins, don't draft them at a high position. So I think if the Steelers do it, sure, you need a really you know running back. Your 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 core is gutted. Fine, take one. But I, in my opinion, their their issues go farther than running back. It's offensive line and scheme. I don't think Anthony McFarland. I think he can do a he could do a job if he if if they get another offensive lineman. Like I don't think he's a bad running back. If you want to get a better one, sure. But for teams in the top fifteen, top twenty, who are who are need like talent to make them win now, I just don't think Najee Harris is that kind of player, or or a running back in general at all is that kind of player. Right. Yeah, it's just kind of difficult to offer that same value. Uh, you mentioned Barkley. Um... Since drafting Barkley in 2018, the Giants have gone 5 and 11, 4 and 12, and this year was their best at 6 and 10. And they, he, they didn't have Barkley for more or less the entire season. It's, uh, it, he made no real impact on the team's success, positive or negative, outside of the value that they lost by taking him at number two overall. I mean, that 2018 dra- uh, draft class of quarterbacks is really showing out right now, aside from one particular you know, exception. Uh, but frankly, I think they might have been better off taking Rosen, even with his career. Not, 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 you know, not, not to disrespect Barkley, but he's done nothing to make them win games more than another more valuable pick could have done. I mean, they, you know, then Donald was on the board, uh, Rosen, Jackson, Allen, they were all out there. There was plenty of other time. I mean, how, how many, how many great young players have come out of the 2018 draft class, you know, even in the later rounds? They could have traded down from that position if they really thought of running back was their best option and still got, 
you know, um, a potential starting quarterback and added value over the next few seasons because if they're going to be bad anyway, might as well make them valuable picks. Furthermore, do you want to spend a top 10 pick on a guy you probably won't give a, a next contract to? Exactly. Like, you're getting like three or four seasons. Yeah. If your theory is like, oh, get him young and then and then like let him go, why would you ever spend a ten year uh, a top ten pick or a first round pick in general on a guy you don't plan on keeping in the long term? Like yeah. if, if you don't extend a running exactly. back, exactly. You don't extend a running back no matter where you draft him. If you know you extend him if he's coming off an injury and he's willing to take a massive pay cut, um, or you know if uh, if he is just a generational talent and he's the last piece you need to win a Super Bowl. But if he's not that last piece, even if he's the second to last piece, it's not worth it. It's not good value, and you're not going to get what you need out of him compared to what you, you know, what you'd get if you spent draft capital and cap space on a player who actually covers, covers the whole, I'd rather get, you know, a CB three at this point. And furthermore, like, like the Jets signed Le'Veon Bell to a massive contract. Where would that money go? It's, it's basically hurting them right now. Let's, and for example, Christian McCaffrey, what plus or minus wins do Christian McCaffrey bring to the Panthers? I get it, He's the best running back in the league. He's really, really good. Um, what, like, yeah, he can run a good wheel route. I, I know a lot of running backs that can run a good wheel route. Like, it's called a committee for a reason. You put guys on the field when they need to run a power run or, or a up the middle run. You put different guys on the field when you need to run a wheel route. A guy who just both just wastes you money. That you can get two running backs. You can get Jamal Williams. You can get um, – who's a good running back in the background outside the backfield? Uh, I don't know. Uh, Coleman, Tevin Coleman, Tevin Coleman, Jamal Williams can do the same job that, that Christian McCaffrey can do with like a fraction of the cost and, and maybe like a minus like 0.01 one percentage number. So I think it's just much more understanding to get a running back on minute by committee who's cheap, draft a guy later on the, in the draft and just make it work. If you have a good offensive line, it should work. Unless the guy just can't read the field. Yeah, no, that that's, that's big. I think it's traits are are important. Najee Harris is jumping over people, running through people, taking their ankles, spin, move, juke, jump, slide, touchdown, whatever he's getting in the end zone. So that's important, but you also put him behind like a practice squad offensive line and he's not going to go very far. So I have a question here. If, if you take a guy who's a, a, a second round talent at running back, he's, he's, He's sitting there. He's a Najee Harris. Let's say Najee Harris is sitting there at, at, in the second round. You get you got him at fifty. Um, your team needs a quarterback. Let's say, uh, oh, I'm I'm a fan of Davis Mills. Uh, he, he uh, this this kid from Stanford. Not not many of y'all might know him, but Davis Mills hype. Uh, Chris, I know you, you're maybe a little hype uh, about Davis Mills, but you need a quarterback and you need a running back. You get a sure thing in Najee Harris. You get a project in Davis Mills. Who are you taking at 50? <laughs> Najee Harris. If you're at 50 and you need a quarterback, you've done something wrong. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, the Saints, though. Like, the Saints need a quarterback. Maybe they don't get one in but the But not Durant. They don't need one, like, this year. Right. So, that's what I'm saying. They have yeah. something oh, then take to develop yeah. behind. So, so they have a Jameis Winston or, or someone where – Who's, who can start that year, the next year, and, and you, you can afford to have a project quarterback. You still take a then and now running back over, or over a potential big hit at the most important position in football. If you're in the spot where you need to bank on a late-round quarterback to – or not a, I guess not a first-round quarterback, a late-second-round, early-third-round quarterback to try to, to, to fix the quarterback position, you've done something wrong. Like it's just such an improbable hit rate to get a guy like that to work out on your team, let alone be a top 10 quarterback. 
uh, you've done something wrong to get to the point where that's like what you have to rely on. So now I wouldn't take him. I think he's going to be a good player. I think he has the possibility to be a good, a good quarterback. Do I think he can be top 15? No, I don't. Do I think Najee Harris can be a top 15 running back? Yes, I do. Do I think a late round team who needs a running back can get a guy like this who is this good and they can, maybe it's like the last point, like it needs to like really reach the next level. Take the guy that can make put to the next level that can, that needs to sit for a little bit. I now want to change the subject totally way off the board. We've compared a lot of guys to a lot of things. So now I want to talk about three of the top QB prospects and compare them to their Chipotle bowl. So I'm not mm. going to give you a name. I'm just going to tell you what's in their order that you can get. I now. already memorized it. You can't trick me. <laughs> so one has Sofritas. I don't know what that is. Probably butch- butchered the pronouncing. Brown rice. Sofritas. Yeah, I used to work at Chipotle. Kind of a big deal. Fajita veggies, <laughs> romaine lettuce, guacamole. That's bowl one. Bowl two, chicken, white rice, black beans, tomatillo, green chili salsa, guacamole. Zach and the Wilson. third one, steak, brown rice, black beans, fresh tomato salsa, tomatillo, green chili salsa, romaine lettuce, guacamole. Trey Lance. One Trey of Lance. These... That's got to be Trey Lance. Yeah, now Justin Fields is a vegetarian, so the one that didn't have meat is Justin Fields. So Trey Lance's is the most expensive, also the steak. highest in calories. Zach Wilson has the chicken, chicken and Justin Fields, the vegetarian, I just found out. So their goals. Don't worry. <laughs> if you are building an NFL team based on what they are getting for lunch, Garrett Caldray, who are you taking out of those three? Oh, now, I didn't really mention Trevor you. Lawrence, who is very into crypto. And just by like looking at Trevor Lawrence, <laughs> does not surprise me like at all. Him getting a bunch of crypto, man. like not shocking. Yeah. But back it's to Chipotle, crazy Garrett. to think about. But yes, Chipotle. <laughs> Hey, if we're going off to Chipotle orders, I'm taking Zach Wilson because I'm not the pro-vegetarian, but Zach Wilson just seems like a more cost-efficient order. <laughs> Overall, though, I know Mac Jones is even good. That dude has the body of a 50-year-old dad, and I know we didn't put his order on there, but whatever Mac Jones It's a burrito for Chipotle, sure. No doubt. Oh, yeah, it's probably multiple burritos. He's not on the list. <laughs> I'm taking Mac Jones first, but right behind him is Zach Wilson. Of the guys you listed, it's definitely I'm Zach shocked. Wilson. Oh, my gosh. Yeston, I don't know if they have Chipotle in Canada, but I'm sure you have an opinion on this. <laughs> they don't, know, but they do have a uh, fat Boston burrito. And, um, yeah, frankly, give me that. Um, Is that the I, CFL I, anyone, sponsor? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they should be. I mean, I mean, have you seen our athletes up there? <laughs> but, uh, no, they, uh, any, anyone who goes and orders a bowl in a place that sells a burrito, I do not trust. I'm sorry. I don't trust oh, any of those. But it's things. such a mess. That, that you could like that eat with a cold. fork. Exactly. Oh, yeah, you, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not going to eat anything with a fork in a place that sells burritos because I'm getting that burrito. Amen. That is, like, you can't, like you can't convince pager. me that the kind of person I mean, who eats a bowl point. makes good decisions. And I need a good decision maker if I are going to be back to my team. I guarantee you, Josh Allen goes into... What did Josh Allen hunts his food. Josh Allen hunts his food. Exactly. He does. He has to. He has to because you know With he likes to eat directly off a leg. <laughs> he doesn't use it's weapons. It's easy, it's clean, efficient, and he's a quarterback. He's got good, he's got important things to be doing. Look, Absolutely. Uh, okay, all your takes are wrong, Gary. I am shocked that you said the chicken one. Ridiculous. I don't even yeah, understand man. the point of this. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's Trey Lance. It's not even. No, close. it's not steak. Don't play. What are you talking? All right, we're not. Okay, we're not having no, this debate right now. Okay, that it's a steak po- one. This, okay, literally though, that that meat 
Every day we would cook it Expose fresh. Them. Yeah, okay, we get it. Chipotle's fresh, but that's not what this is about. This <laughs> is about what oh, get. No, no. It's about the meat though. Okay. They put the chicken on and it's and, and it sells faster and it's fresher. You get uh-huh. the steak and it's crusty and it's got some oily film. The steak is like, superior anyways. It only matters. No, it's not. Hang on, hang on, hang on. The steak is not inherently relationship. better. It is. Okay, hang on. Having, yeah. s- having okay, going okay, and having ordering steak. steak when the chicken is fresh is like drafting a running back second overall in It's not. No, no, no. It's, it's just not, not a good oh. idea. Steak has a clearly a higher God. value. Steak has okay, a higher like, value. I'll take steak chicken over running chicken. Back. No, chicken is way more versatile. Chicken's worth the first round pick. Absolutely Let's think about it. We went from 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 breaking legitimate NFL draft news <laughs> to arguing like like cats and dogs over Chipotle orders. Well, this is the real debate. This is the real debate. No, this okay, is what no, this matters. Is the main event. Like, I'm not saying we're these wrong. These questions saying... don't get answered on Thursday. Yeah, okay? no, you can't go to ESPN. <laughs> at dinner, if you I'm at a go. restaurant, I'll order steak over chicken breast. I go to Chipotle. I want something quick. Okay, I might have to chew on that rubbery ass steak for thirty minutes, and then I'm gonna be like, "Ice cold take, ice that cold." That was gross. All right, what is no, wrong no, with you, I, Chris? I God, I agree with. I you. will take cold steak over chicken any day. Okay, I, 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 okay, hang on. Have you ever had cold KFC though? I mean, no, all right, all right, all right. let's back KFC. off a second no, here. No more free ads. Okay, so I'm about two to things jump from that. this camera. <laughs> One. That was not an ad from Chipotle. I came up with that by myself. I had to say their name, though. Two, Garrett, that's what the sports ways bring you. No one else is talking about that, but we yeah, needed an I'm answer. I'm not saying you're wrong. And you haven't gotten it. Chris and you got more than an answer. That's a nice got... ice cold take. Steak is the answer. No, it's not. We only, got, <laughs> we only got a couple minutes left. And unlike Kyle Shanahan, I do know that the five of us will be around on Sunday Chris Mullen and Andrew Tolva won't be doing much sleep until Thursday, but they got something big going on. Chris, let the people know what it is. All right. So we are having our third, I think it's third annual, right? Yeston, third annual. It is third annual, yeah. Third, it's my first time. Third annual NFL draft live party show, whatever you want to call it. Uh, starting at 7.30 Eastern time. Yeston, Steven, Andrew, and Gary will all make appearances on the show, covering their teams. Um, Steven, you'll be cutting Kyle Will Parkinson. I'm sure you know who that my is. Team. Steven, you know Will, team, right? Andrew, I got you. Will Parkinson yeah. from TOJ. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he'll be do. He'll be coming on uh, right when the Jets pick as well. You'll be coming on after. I had um, to hand uh, pick twenty eight over to Garrett. <laughs> it's not good yeah, for we'll the TSW pick. brand. Hey, I'm honored, man. <laughs> we'll be going over every every pick, grading them, talking draft trades will happen. We'll get our first reactions. X won't hold back. I know I won't either. It'll be a fun time. We're just gonna hang out on YouTube Live, just chat. Um, It'll be fun. I think it's uh, it'll be a fun event to join into. Have it to decide while you're watching the coverage on ESPN or whatever, even though our coverage is superior. Um, because it yeah, is. I think everyone yeah, should definitely join in. Objectively. <laughs> but TSW has big things coming, people. Y'all got to pay attention. We got the card runner. We got podcasts coming out almost every day at this point. We have articles coming out every day. Oh, yeah. Like every been tripling. We've put, been quadrupling. We used to be pushing out like one article a day. You know, and I thought 360 articles in a year from this company was good. We've, we've, been, we've been knocking out three, four articles a day for about two months now. And uh, it's nonstop. It's fantastic. If you guys aren't watching, then stop 50% now. of it is Andrew Tova. Let's keep that in mind. <laughs> it's true. Card runner, uh, we will have our, our TSW company mock draft tomorrow. Um, it'll, it'll go out Thursday morning or Wednesday night. Um, we will be doing that. Everyone here will be picking for teams. Um it should be a good one. We'll just talk about trade, all that kind of stuff. So, all right, stay tuned, people.
you haven't read Andrew Tilbert's stuff, it's everywhere. Chris Mullen is everywhere by your house. Yeston and Garrett, they're always around here. (laughs) Big thanks to you guys for joining. I'll see you back here Thursday night after the draft.